Welcome to episode 171 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, so welcome along to episode 171 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Owls. How are you going, mate? I'm very good. No test this week. No test? What do you mean? No test, test, test. The sound quality's okay? Oh, no, well, you did the metronome thing. Oh, okay. I was testing then. Okay. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, the program we use, GarageBand, it's on a Mac. Great, great computer. But uh, they've, uh, you start it, and it always has the metronome on, and it's really frustrating. I saw in the paper this morning that Mac, um, the little iPods are blowing up, the smoke coming out right. of them, they're, and they're, they're trying to cover it all up. Just got to turn my phone off while you're talking yeah. about that. Anyway, <laughs> I Am Talk is proudly brought to you by... Well, that's, I don't know, uh, Coffees of Hawaii. And? <laughs> you meant to start. Oh, you, you go. Okay. Coffees of Hawaii. I've actually got some tips for good coffee. Okay. Very good. Yep. And trybuys.com. Get all your gear. And athlinks.com. Ah, oh, just get on there to hang out with your mates. And even if you haven't got friends, you can find friends on there. We should stick to a regular routine. We do it better that way. Yeah, I know. We? We've got our jobs. You, 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 you butted in. I wasn't right. happy. Oh, this week's show, well, I'm not really sure what we're doing because we, we've changed the plan a little bit, but we've got news, we've got age group of the no, week. No, no, I'll, I'll explain. Let's change roles. <laughs> oh, here we go. We've got, we've got news, we've got a high five, and then we've got an interview with Gordo on Ultra. Oh, we're not going to do age grouper? No, we won't have time. Well, we, we kind of need to. We've got a few backed up. We'll see. We'll see how we go. Okay. And that's about it. And that's it? Yeah. I promised the people a lot this week. <laughs> I'm going to be reneging. Yeah, I'm afraid so. <laughs> Okay then, well, news is brought to you by Xtry. Go to xtry.com to check out the latest news, reviews, and interviews with the stars. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a good website. First of all, we had Iron Man, not Iron Man, we just had Vine Man. Vine Rhymes Man. Rhymes with Iron Man. And repeat winners. Yeah, first time ever in their history, actually. Really? I've actually done some prep, yep. Oh my first goodness. time ever that they've ever had repeat winners in Very their sad. history. And both of them are repeat winners. Dan, Dan Arlinson, 9-13-10. Yep. And that's, um, I think it must be a pretty slow course over there because your mate David Glover, who was there in yeah, 40s. Yeah, he's, sub nine, he's, he's done, done about 8.40 and wrote. Yeah, so. Uh, Although he's been a little bit injured, so maybe he's a little bit out. But. Yeah, so. Uh, Dan was first, Van, uh, Van McCarty, second, 12 minutes behind in 9.25. Brendan O'Brien, third in 9.28. And then David Glover, fourth in 9.53. And on the girls' side, Bevan? Whitney Henderson, she took it out, and apparently on the first lap of the run, she was losing a lot of time to Marie. How do you say that one? Protect. And uh, but then the sixth, second lap, Marie started to just maintain the pace, and then she broke away at the end to win it. Oh, very nice. Mm. And Deborah Balagar was third in eleven fifteen. Twentieth year. Twentieth year. That's a lot of years. What were you doing twenty years ago, John? Twenty years ago, third, I would have been starting high school. Really? Yeah. You doing triathlon at this stage? I started in triathlon sort of first year high school, did my first team race there, and then second year high school, I was right into it. Really? Well, there you go. There you go. Ben, what were you doing 20 years ago? 20 years ago. High school. How old are you? I was sort of an intermediate. Mr. Woodley was my teacher. He was probably one of the best teachers I've ever had. He, was, he did Kaikon. No, he did Jiu Jitsu. Oh, I know, he school with black eyes and stuff. We used to love Mr. Woodley. Okay, but then the big, other big event that happened this weekend was Iron Man UK, and, well, we've got a star up and coming, haven't we? Potentially. Yeah. Philip Graves. And I must give Helltel a plug here. He sent an email before the race. He, he said to look out for him. Yes. Yep. Philip Graves. He won uh, UK 70.3 earlier this year. Yep. And apparently, is a bit of an axe on the bike. He uh, apparently finished second. Third. 
the 100 mile championship in the and, UK and second or something in the, the 10 mile championship yeah, so yep. very very strong biker but he's clearly a bloody good swimmer as well because he came out in 51.08 he was just in front of Stephen Bayliss and Stephen Bayliss is a good swimmer you know in terms of Ironman side of things he's a good swimmer he's not a legend swimmer but he's very very solid uh, and uh, then he ran off the two. run times are pretty quick there are they? Yeah, all those oh, run times actually, are pretty yeah. quick. Yeah. So it's still a solid effort. Two fifty-two. I'm picking it might have been a little bit short. I'm actually surprised he didn't go faster on the bike than what he did. Like he beat Bayless by about seven minutes. Yeah. But you know he's third in the hundred k mile, the hundred mile time trial in the UK. You kind of think he would have put more than seven minutes into him. Well, you think so, but he he could have had a very very smart race. He might it's first True. time ever doing Ironman, um, and he might have just been thinking, well, I'm just going to take this bike relatively comfortable, and then and see what I can do on the run, and and. But he did that obviously because he had a, had a good solid run and, and looked pretty comfortable. So youngest nice ever Ironman winner. Apparently, we haven't got that confirmed. But it was on the Ironman website. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then perhaps it is. I've been confirmed. doing my piece every for a list this week, John. <laughs> so that, that was solid. Because I always read all this crap and then I forget. And I thought, no, I'm going to write a list. I like lists. Yeah. See, you got your list. I got my list. So swim was 51.08, biked 4.57, run 2.52 for an 8.45.51. Stephen Bayless second 8.48. And third, uh, Jano Haast, who first, another first-time Ironman guy. He's a uh, ITU athlete, and he finished, he was down here in Christchurch um, last season preparing for short course stuff. And your good old favourite, Lothar Leader, in eighth, eighth place. Yeah, good mm-hmm. to see him at least getting in the top ten. Sort of uh, Tobinator. Tobinator, solid. 301 marathon split for a nine. Apparently, wasn't enjoying it. That's what Ed Hawkins sent through. He said he's right. not enjoying it. No. He's not having a good time. And on the female side of things, what I found really interesting about this was that Bella was first out of the water. In 59 minutes. Apparently all the swim times were a little bit slow. Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, some people are a little bit 10% slower than what they, they had expected. Uh, and then Bella sort of took off on the bike there with 5.26 and 3.01 marathon for a 9.33. She's won three races already this year. She's won a lot of races. Yeah, she's, she's a good athlete, eh? She's just consistent now. Yeah, she is, eh? But having said that, she's strong in Kona now as well. I mean, um, she was 6th, 7th, 8th, something like that last year, so very solid. Yeah. Another girl who, uh, Abigail Bailey, she's apparently joined up the Team BB ranks, so she's uh, improved quite a bit. Um, it's funny, since Chrissy's kind of left Team B, we don't talk about it so much, do we? No, we don't, but there's still a lot of good athletes there. I mean, Rebecca Keats gone over there, and she's yeah. made a big step up this year, so... I just think it's the environment. They've just got an awesome environment there. The training's obviously really good, but I think being in that environment, pushing yourself on a daily basis, really, yeah. really, really works for some athletes. And then uh, third place was Irene Kinjam. And, and on my list here that I've written down, mm-hmm. she got like seventh last year as an age grouper, oh. and then got third this year in 44-minute PB. Nice. Very that's, that's solid. That's a bloody good effort, isn't it? But so. different course. Still 44 minute PB. 44 minute PB is very solid. And if anything, I think this course is harder, isn't it? By the sounds of things with the bike. Don't know. Well, only three guys got under nine hours. Last year, I'm sure more than that did that in the UK. Don't know. I'm, I'm almost willing to put your life Right. We're, <laughs> we're having a pause in the show. We're going back to last year's. Wait a second, we can do it now. Go Let's to ironman.com. Okay, ironman.com. Here we go. Okay, we that. So we haven't had too many reports in from the race uh, as such. Um, we haven't heard too much bad stuff, haven't heard any amazingly good stuff. Apparently, there was. Um, as you get in all long distance races, a few people towards the tail end of the field, maybe missing drinks, etc. Race results. Race, race results. And the other thing. You're doing good here, mate. You're doing good. No, keep the, it other, up. The, other, the other controversy we heard about prior to the race was the race organisers sending out a waiver that people had to sign um, the week before the race, and this was uh, people were up in arms about this. Yeah, what was that about? I don't know. 
Stephen Bayliss, 8.53. Oh, okay. So he did yeah. 8.40. So about five minutes difference for him. Yeah, yeah okay. So that's it's similar. Similar. Yep. 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 Fair so enough. So my, 44 my, minutes. My life is still okay. Yeah, no, you no. can live. Good. You can live. But 44 minute improvement is big then. It's very solid. Yeah. So very good. So well done. Anything else on my list here to do? No. I've done my list Ed knows. No, Nick, Nick knows Rose. He's not happy with his nickname. Well, he's stuck with it, nosy. No. He... <laughs> <laughs> Don't try. <laughs> nosy. You, you, there you go. I'll change your nickname from Nose to Nosy. There you go. Don't say I didn't do anything for you. Oh, I'm sure he's going to be loving that, Jumbo. Right, what have we got here? What else have we got here? We've got the... Didn't oh. find any results from the Kalmar try in Sweden. And we've got... Hostelman the... in Germany. Um, we couldn't, <laughs> couldn't find the female results there. Frank ba- Basmar won that in... 10 hours. No, 10 he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he didn't. There was another one, wasn't there? No, is it? I thought we had like eight and a half. We did. You closed the wrong page. <laughs> no, no, scroll up. I'm you top, scroll there, up. We go. there we go. Frank, Frank had a good race. <laughs> now, the Team BB winner here. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Spinder, an 8.26 from Horst Whitemahouse. And, and second, an 8.30. And third, Ulrich Schlaup. Do you think the ages are right? Because look at that. 68, that means it'd be 41. Yeah, I'd say it'd be right. It's just a machine. some machine German athletes out there. Man, that's machine. So another Team BB athlete taking the title. Nice. Very good. We couldn't find the females. Sorry, females. We try our best, but websites No, German's not that good. And the Whirlpool, 70.3 pots, and Warren took it out. Sam Warren on her 38th birthday, back dominating the dojo. She's uh, been really struggling on the ITU circuit. Um, she's, Is it time for her to pull out? Well, she's had. She's had. To be, to be fair, she has had some bad luck. She had some injuries. Um, she broke a rib in a bike crash, but she was still just having a shocker really all season long. So, she started off incredibly well in the seventy point three series, and she's back on it now. Andy Potts, I think he's uh, he's going to do do a ride in Canada this year. I know. I know he did well last year, but I think he's going to he's going to step up. Well, I got an email from Chris Muffet. I'm just checking on my list here, John. That's, that's good. Chris Muffet, and because I said Muffet or something last time, he says it's Muffet. Muffet. Okay. I think so. And Rhodes, but he came out of the water, ruptured his ankle, ruptured Achille- his Achilles. Achilles, out yeah. for the season. Oh. It's not good if you're an Ironman athlete and you're out for the season because you don't get any retainer. Like the ITU athletes at least will get um, something from their federation. You know, they'll oh, get do like, they? Well, they'll get like a grant and yeah. Yeah. the EFs and things like that will be paid And let's for. be honest, how old's Rhodes? Rhodes, he'd be he's about the same as Brown. He'd probably about 35. 30, no, he's probably, no, he's probably more like 36, 37 So that could maybe. be almost... Close to the end, really, couldn't it? Could be, because I mean, he's out for the season, but coming back from a ruptured, if it's a complete. And the thing is, you're not tear. training when you, when, you know, yeah. you're going to have a period off, so you're going to lose a good, of, you know, he's obviously a good athlete, but. Yeah. Although Rhodes, he's a, he's a trooper, isn't he? So. Yes. He'll track on. And Antwerp. Antwerp, the 70.3, Marino van Honecker had another win, and Sophie Goss from Belgium beat Belinda Granger. Nice. And there was one other 70.3, I think Marinda Carfrey won it um, in Calgary. Can't remember nice. who won the guys. Yep, okay. Uh, we've got uh, Norseman coming up this weekend. It's Norseman. Oh, I always say that, don't I? Why do I do that? Anyway. I, don't, I don't know. Maybe it was Mr. What's his name? Mr. Mr. Woodley didn't do didn't <laughs> well. He does have a lot to answer for. Yeah. <laughs> too, too much bloody judo instead of teach, <laughs> teaching you the Queen's English. Norseman is on this weekend. That's the extreme one, isn't it? It's an extreme. It's absolute madness. So, I remember Baines did it last year. Oh, yeah. If you're looking for a challenge, go do that one. Jump off the ferry in the middle of a bloody Norwegian fjord. Climb over a few mountains and then run up a mountain at the end. I, I would like to do that. It just looks solid. I have to say, Baines has got another mission on this weekend. Stags do. Oh, Stags do. It's good fun. Yeah, good mm. times. What else have we got? 
got the International Czech Long Distance Triathlon in the Czech Republic. Nice. We've got the Ensa Therm Triathlon in Germany. Yep. And um, Hawaii, Hawaii Revisited. Revisited, which is done by um, the Challenged Athletes Foundation. Yep. If you guys want to go back and ever... you to know the original course. It's, it's not a race that you're going to go and do and probably race. I mean, it's you go hard so. out and, yeah. and prepare for it specifically. But if you want to go to somewhere, see what the very, very first Ironman was all about and do it for good cause. Um, just go to Challenged Athletes Foundation. you find the details on there. Obviously, it's too late for this year, but it'd be something cool to go and do. Have and you listened to the fun. interview on um, Competitor with the guy whose parents ran the original one? No, oh, I might have done, I don't know. It's really so. good. So he did the first one and yeah. he just turned up. But he got a flat tyre, so he had to wait. He went to Burger King for an hour and a half to wait for his parents to bring an extra bike down. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real good listen. I, I listened to it a while ago. It was really good. And it was just talking about how it was. It took him 24 hours. Wow. Yeah. And and they didn't have a cutoff, though. No, 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 no. It was just, you know, it was just kind of what you want to do. But yeah, he got a flat tyre and his mate was oh, there and his cool. mate had taken his bike. It was it's a pretty good listen. If you, I don't know who, when it was and where it was, so you're kind of stuffed, but it was a good listen. New race happening in Ironman, distance race happening in the UK. UK listeners, we've got a bit of choice out there now. You've got the, the Forest Man we talked about a couple of weeks ago. This one's going to be up in Nottingham. Uh, I had it on Tri-Juice, but I can't find it. was on Tri-Juice. It's on, you go to Tri-Juice.com, all the details are up there, but it sounds pretty cool. Going to be finishing, I think, by the Nottingham Town Hall or something like that, so a bit of a downtown finish. Good opportunity. To Good old Jensen Button did the race at London Triathlon on the weekend. See his time, 2.07. Pretty solid. That's pretty sharp. Pretty solid. What do you do that now, Oh, it's hard to say. The course is just very simple. What do you do in Well, in, in Nationals, Wellington, I think I did 159. So oh, he's not like that far behind you. Well, no, he, he, ran, he biked about a 105 and ran a 35 and a half, I yeah. think, something like that. Swam um, 24. Yeah, so you would have taken down in transitions. But we also got, <laughs> we, we also got an email through from... Although um, he may have had a support crew. He may have so done. It he had, and he had done bloody... <laughs> He'd done aero testing in the bloody wind tunnel. Oh, really? Yeah, he got his team to do that. Also, we, we did get a, an email in from Richard Swan saying that Scott Dixon is a mean triathlete as well. He's our Kiwi yep. um, racing car driver in that's the That's the challenge we should have because that's Formula One and Indy against each other. Yeah. New Zealand against the Poms. Very good, like it. Yeah, we could sort it out. Nice. I'm sure they'd be listening to us. Yeah, so Beautiful. very solid. Scott Dixon, he's apparently he's pretty solid as well. So it would be a good challenge. Good Kiwi boy, that one. Okay, so we had a discussion of the week last week and where is it? You keep talking, John. ITU, here we go. ITU. Oh, brought up a bit of, there's quite a few posts here. Yeah, quite a few posts. Bit of controversy in the house. If you guys um, are new listeners to the show and you don't know what we're talking about when we talk about the discussion of the week, you go on to imtalk.me and you can just click through to our um, blog page and it's on... Athlinks. Uh, Athlinks. And then you can just post your... You need to be on Athlinks. You need to be registered. So another good reason to register with them. And then uh, you can post away. And, and so uh, the topic was... Well, basically, if you had an hour to make coverage of a race, mm-hmm. would you rather watch an hour of ITU racing or an hour of Ironman racing? Okay, I've, got, I've picked out three. Oh, so hopefully we will pick the same ones. You want to go first? I'll go first. Ken McLaren. Uh, a lot of what makes packaged TV highlights exciting comes down to the skills of the backroom crew, the cameraman, producers especially, as well as the commentators. Packaged TV is telling a story. It's about getting good footage and then using the right footage. The best version of the Hawaii Ironman I watched was 1994 when Greg Welch beat Dave Scott for the first spot in the men's race. It was a two-hour feature on UK TV, and despite knowing the result, I was on the edge of the seat stuff because it was uh, how well it was put together. I find a lot of package TV misses out on the key moments of the race, and instead we just get to see the race leader, not the moment they take the lead and the key moments of the race. Personally, I don't have a preference, only that the coverage is good. Frederick Cook. I definitely prefer to watch an Ironman race, while quick races like one-day bike races, ITU, triathlon events, etc. are fun to participate in. There's a ton of luck involved in pivotal moments 
occur very often, which aren't always caught in the footage. In Iron Man, nothing happens fast, which really drags out the action. I prefer a slower, unfolding drama than a quickly unfolding drama for watching on television anyway. That's why he likes to tour as well. Dispute the luck. I, I really dispute that comment about a ton of luck. I, I think it's a bit of both. Sometimes it's luck, you have to admit. You know, your shoe falls off. Oh, yeah. You know, stuff like that. There's a bit of both. A bit of both. Well, yeah. I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I think a lot of people think there's more luck in ITU racing than what there is. I, don't, I think it, it's bad preparation if you get balls it up most, yeah. most of the yeah. time. Bit of both. Anyway. Yeah. But, but not, 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 not. It's, it's, there's not much luck Bit of both. No, no. <laughs> Uh, Craig Brighthouse my interest is endurance uh, multi-sport but unfortunately with the Ironman the top contenders are often so isolated by minutes between them it's hard to create good TV without using all the sob stories more motorbike coverage like Tour de France could explain the race better um, although the move to drafting turned me away from triathlon to multi-sport in the 90s I must admit the sprint finishes this year on the ITU has me glued to the box as the winner is often only decided in the last few hundred metres uh, he's saying also said that um, the best TV coverage he ever saw was uh, live coverage of the coast to coast race um, with GPS tracking. And I can't remember what year that was. It must have been about three or four years ago. Yeah, and that well, it was bloody good coverage. Why, then, why, why didn't it do that again? Too expensive. Oh, it must be so expensive. Yeah. Um, but that was cool because you got the scenery, and that was what was so, yeah. so cool about it, as, as well as a, as a great contest. So. Mm. Okay, then my brain says that ITU races... Oh, this has been... How to say that last name? Score. Score, I think. Yeah, uh, says ITU races are probably better television since a shorter, faster, closer race. I have to admit that my heart still prefers the long... I went all Ironman stuff because I thought you'd be going to go ITU. Uh, heart prefers the long course stuff. It's the coverage is... If the coverage is well done, I really enjoy seeing the accomplishment of an Ironman. I agree that I w- wish it wasn't so much of the... Joe didn't think he would live after he lost the entire left side of his body in a bizarre vacuum cleaner accident and here he is doing that I man while his proud parents watch stuff but I also enjoy seeing age groupers finish especially folks doing their first Ironman this sort of uh, inspira- inspiration oh wait a second it's sort of inspiring to see a 12 hour crowd set standing staggering around not sure if everyone will collapse for joy so basically he hasn't watched too many I2 races but he has watched the Olympic 10k and he did enjoy that mm. so yep. very good uh, Mark Stedler uh, agrees with me Good. Nice. I don't believe that ITU races are boring. Okay, you mostly see big groups ride for 40k, but Ironman is the same, only with a bit more distance between the riders. You often see attacks during ITU races, for example the Hamburg's Ladies Race, and that makes the race interesting. You also do have the big stars at every race, not like um, just the world champs like Ironman. I also don't believe that winning an ITU race is luck, or did Brownlee and Moffat have luck several times this year? See, there is very, there's very little luck. Uh, nice work, Mark. Like a star. <laughs> Gerald, the terrorizer Smith. It's a no-brainer, John. One hour of ITU is not highlights. It is. It's half the bloody race. I'm happy to watch 10 to 15 minutes of highlights of ITU, but any longer than that turns out to a yawn fest. One hour of Iron Man for me any day. Okay, John, let's put the gloves on. <laughs> As it stands at the moment, it's a, non, it's a non-known contest. ITU stuff is so much better coverage than Iron Man. But that, but but a large part of that, based on your opinion, based on my opinion, no, it's fact. Um, a large part of that does come down to production, I think, and um, <clears throat> I think the ITU guys do a, do a pretty good job with their production. And for me, I find that I know lots of the athletes racing. You see all the good athletes going head to head, and so I find that good, and I find it exciting. Close racing, there's a lot of tactics you can see unfold. And um, whereas the Ironman stuff, I often find the 
the coverage is done by people that don't know what they're talking about and they, they don't really explain what's going on and so on and I just find it quite boring. I, Hawaii's not too bad, um, but I think the Tour de France is the, by far the best example of, how to of do it. showing, getting people to watch a flat stage of people riding and a bunch of 100 with basically nothing going on except you still watch it. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and it's interesting. It's because the commentators do such a great job explaining what's going on, the tactics and so on. And I think if you've got really good commentators and slightly closer, better caliber fields than Ironman racing, I think they could make it as good as ITU stuff, but at the moment... I would always watch an ITU race before an Ironman. Well, it's funny, I haven't watched many ITU races, but I was at the gym the other day, and when I was doing a workout, they had one on, so I was mm-hmm. kind of like scanning around. And, and I have to admit that the ITU, the problem is that it really is just a running race nowadays. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's pretty rare when you mm-hmm. get someone pulling away on the bike, and, you know, like, it really just comes down to that last part of the run. No, you've had, I mean, this year you've had, you're not going to get a solo breakaway, but you've had quite a few races where there's been a lead group of between five and ten um, staying away. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, so I think, obviously, both are pretty good. I have some points here. I think that you don't really get the one-hour package of Ironman, so it's really hard to see them doing it. But if they were to do it, again, like you say, commentary, commentating yeah, would have crucial. to be... Crucial. Yeah, it would be so important. But you could do some really cool things. Like, you could have... Um, you know, the graphics like they had in the yachting, because mm. because it is such a long day to mm. wrap it up into an hour, you could actually see. And one thing that the Ironman does have that ITU doesn't have is the fade out of athletes. You know, like you get someone like Hawaii, where you get someone like um, Stadler who takes off on the bike and yeah. to see him go off and then drift away. So for me, I probably will be Ironman because it's more my sport, and uh, and ITU just not, I'm not really that interested in it. So um, I'd probably go more for you, Ironman. What have I written here? I've got commentary is important, both are pretty similar. Um, and yeah, and just that the ITU does really come down to the last quarter a lot of the time. It's good stuff, though. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I win. ITU's better. <laughs> well, no, apparently we've got some emails through from some people who watch ITU and they say that the coverage isn't that good yet. They say it's pretty poor. Well, no, the, the live coverage, as you get with a lot of live events, um, I don't think is, is awesome yet. Um, but when they do the highlights package, then they're able to pick and choose all the, the best, best shots they have. But yeah, I agree. With some of the live coverage, Need to keep working and on I, it. I think the thing is, is we're going to speak about like for you and I. You're like you're a right trike. I'm a bit of a trike. <laughs> but you know, like for you and I, the market isn't really us. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, if we're, if we're thinking about the general population, what do they want to see? And I know you hate the, you know, the, what is it, the vacuum cleaner incident people. And, <laughs> I don't hate them. I just rather watch the leaders going here. Yeah, yeah. And I do think that sometimes with the Hawaii coverage, they don't really get enough of the athlete in, mm. but. If they could mix it up a bit more for the general population, I actually think that most people would prefer to watch an Ironman race. Yeah. Because right. it's a more of an impressive feat. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. So. I think so. having said that, again, just to make sure that I am right, um, <laughs> the, the Olympic race in New Zealand, the triathlon, is one of the most popular events yeah. in the Olympic calendar. But that's only because we've got lots of Kiwis doing okay, well, isn't true. it? Yeah. But I agree. Like, I think there's huge potential to make the Ironman... One yeah, like package, if you did a really awesome. good one-hour package, had one of those sob stories, and then had really good graphics and mm. good commentary, and a few people blowing it, blowing up, yeah, and sitting totally. on the pavement and yeah, stuff. Yeah, a bit of spewing on the. Yeah. You know, imagine that. Oh, yeah, great. Okay, yeah. what's this week's discussion? Okay, this week's discussion um, sent in by Fegan. 
Should you be full honest? force? Full force? Uh, no, no, no. Mr. Consistency. Oh, I spared you there, but didn't I? Um, when you're racing an Ironman, you know yeah. you qualify for Kona and your age group. Yeah, say people, I'm 34. It's about turn 35. Yeah, so you qualify. You get a slot in your 30, 30 to 34 age group. When it comes to Kona, you're actually, you're actually in the 35, 30. 35. So you're allowed to, at the moment. You just sort of age up and you just take your spot and you're there. Oh, really? But sometimes, um, you know, so the 30 to 34 age group might you know actually be like? slower than the 35 to 39 age group. So uh-huh. should you be allowed to still qualify if you actually would miss a qualifying spot in the age group you're going to be racing Kona in? Or should it be that when you qualify... Don't, don't go changing uh, it, Bevan. You're going to make it too complicated. I think it's complicated enough. Well, but, like, let, but let's say you turn 35 and you go to like 30, 35 age group, whatever, and you turn 36 that year, you still have to race in the age group of 35 to 30 or 30. You know what I mean? Well, so you might be more like you're 34... Yeah, whatever, you know, but you, you actually go over the age group. Yeah. Wouldn't it be better that you still had to race within the age group for that for the champs? You've, you've confused me now. <sighs> Basically, if you qualify, we too much if, you qualify you <laughs> if you qualify in a younger younger age group and you're aging up, but you're too slow for that group you're aged up to, should you still be able to get your spot? Okay. I think it's a bit of a confusing one this week, but we'll, give, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> That's what we're doing. All right, let's put some music on. We can do it. Yeah, we can do this. Here we go. One, two, three, four, high five! I thought you'd join me there for a second. I should. I think it's, uh, this is what we, we didn't have time to do this last week. So you may recall I've had some Achilles issues. You have and, had it, uh, I'm over it now, though. You're over it? Oh, are you, over is it, it? You're over it? I'm sick of it? Or right. you're finished with it? I'm finished with it. I'm done. Nice. Um, there's a few things I did to get myself right. Um, we got a massage from John Ellis, Muscles no. Inc. If you're in Christchurch. <laughs> How many people can you plug in? <laughs> <laughs> MusclesInc.co.nz. And uh, he'll sort yeah, he comes on at Epic Camps. Did that, got off my ass, got a massage. Got off my ass. From where? From Muscles Inc. Um, did you get for the fish and chips? I haven't got fish and chips. I'm going to probably have to wait till it's a bit more summery so I can uh, take Thomas. Okay. Second thing I did, I make sure I got off my ass and carried on my routine of doing calf raises. The third thing I did was uh, come, got myself a pair of compression socks. Oh my golly gosh. Because you anti the socks like you wouldn't believe, weren't you? But, and so uh, and I sent an email to an athlete that I coached saying, I've, I've succumbed, I've got, I've got the socks. And he said, okay, you've got to, you've got, there's some etiquette to wearing these socks. And then he sent me a link to Gordo's website. Oh. And he said, this is... How not to wear the socks, and ironically, we're interviewing Gordo <laughs> um, in about f- four minutes' time. Um, and he said, just, "You just can't wear socks." Well, like was Gordo, what was Gordo doing wrong? Well, I will explain that. It's point number one. Can I get the photo? Can you send me the link? I'll put the photo on. It's our on website. his blog. Yeah, he's okay. got several photos on his Gordo blog. Gordo does have some out there photos. I'll, yeah. I'll give him a bit of crap about that. And so, um, one of actually one of the sponsors of Epic Camp this year is um, Daniel McDonald, Chris McDonald's brother. Yep. If you want to get uh, the, the CEP compression socks, which is what I've got, you go to dcmsport.com. DCMSport.com, and uh, we'll have a link on the site. If you put in the code, go back to the page. Oh, yeah. The oh. code, we get listeners, listeners get a discount. Oh, I am talk. 20% I, discount. I am talk, get 20% discount. No off brainer. The, no brainer. But then, I've got to give a plug as well, because, how do I say that? Zensar? Zensar. Sent through some compression leg sleeves a while ago for us to review, and that was about a year ago, and <laughs> I still yeah. haven't done it. So they also do some in they're based the states somewhere, and you can also go online and get their stuff. They ship worldwide, so there you go. There you go. Mm. Um, right, so we've got five. But wait a second, before we kind of be silly about it, have you found benefit in using them? It's hard to say because I didn't do one thing in isolation. They feel good. It's a bit like when you when you put the skins on. I've always said you take them off and they feel good. Yeah. The socks. 
they feel good when you, t- you put yeah, them on. I found and take that too. Off. Yeah. Um, so, that, and there is, you know, there's some research out there saying, you know, there is some there, there is some, there's some benefit there. Um, the interview we had with that lady, what was her name? Um, can't remember. But, man, we've had lots of people download that. Yeah? Yeah, it's one of our biggest shows. Okay. Hmm. Uh, her name's just about to come to me, but it hasn't quite. Okay. Anyway. Um, okay. To the list. To the list. To the list. This here is basically go. the etiquette on how to wear compression okay, socks. Okay, here we go. Number one. Do not wear over the top of tights or with three-quarter tights especially. And this is what Gordo's done. What has he's, he done? He's got, he's got like a three-quarter pair of running shorts, yep. black, uh, running tights black, and then he's got white oh, running like, socks on. So like golfer like for... Knickerbocker Knickerbockers for, for triathletes. It looks ridiculous. Really? So this is a no-go. Do Gordo, I'm sure you listen to the show now because you're on it, so just yep. sharpen up. Do not wear with casual clothing except in the privacy of your own home. Wearing the socks combined with Speedos should be a result in downdraft. Downdraft. So if you ever see anybody wearing Speedos and socks, <laughs> you just pull those Speedos right down. i tell you what, if you can get a photo of you doing that for us, we'll put it on the website this it's week. It's a shocker. It's just not, it's not allowed. It's simple especially, as that. Yeah, that's okay. Especially that's if you trim down there as well. Yeah, so... <laughs> Don't go wearing socks with casual clothing. You can do it, and it's fine but for recovery, recovery purposes. I must say, at the gym or, or rugby players, this is the latest, latest look. They wear the rugby shorts and with the socks. Mm. Mm. I have to admit, okay. I've done it at the gym. Yeah, well, mm. yeah. No, privacy of your own home for that okay. one. But they are good for recovery, so okay. you know, it's, it's okay to do that. But privacy of your own home. Um, <laughs> do not go to bed with no, with no clothing on other than your socks. Now, I was having a chat to somebody's wife the other day. Someone who? Someone. First, Rhymes with. First name Phil, second name Anator. <laughs> and, uh, and so his wife says to me, I was, I, it was the first time I'd worn the socks. I was around the place. I've been out for a little run. She said, oh, yeah, Phil, Anator. He just wears them to bed. And he goes on. Nothing else. Like, it's worse than Speedos. That, that is worse. Because you've got nothing to downtrow. If we get a photo of that, we'll put it on the website this That's week. That's right. <laughs> okay. I've got to do the next one. Okay. Right, then you can do the next one. Okay. This is for females only, this one. Do not wear with a mini skirt, mini skirt and a school shirt because people might get ideas. <laughs> Again, send through a photo. Yeah, we'll put them on the website. Lots of opportunities for photos here. Okay, never wear with sandals or Crocs. Period. But just don't do it. Yeah, I've got a bit of assistance with these last couple oh, wait, of ones. This, wait, wait, wait. You keep talking, I'll show you a photo. Okay. Because I was a model for Crocs. Were you? Yeah, that's why they went under. Yeah, that's why I heard they went under. Because <laughs> can you talk? You, were, you weren't wearing your three-quarter high socks, though, were you? Please say no. Oh, where it's, are they? We're losing okay. it. I'll put the photo on the website, me being a Crocs guy. Okay. Okay. Last one I've got here. Um, if you're putting socks on in T2... Oh, sorry. <laughs> if you're putting socks on in T2 during a race, bear yeah. in mind that it can take five minutes. Yeah, they take forever, don't they? And if you're cramping up as you try to get them on, you might want to question why you're doing this in the first place. Having said that, um, point number... Three with the fill fillinator. Well, he said if you you fold them up somehow, roll the, them, roll and then them, roll them up. There is a quick yeah. way of getting them on. I haven't experimented that with that yet. So, yeah. a few little rules there. Um, it is, it is. It's a good point actually because if you want to try to take out my T two, you yeah. know, if you want to try to get that that record, you know, you, I didn't put socks on. Yeah, probably would have helped. Yeah, may well have done. <laughs> After listening to the interview last week, I probably should have done the run walk strategy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's finally all these rules. If they're broken. You could do an underpants run at Kona. No, can, um, can be and are broken at the underpants run. And that's oh. according, according to David Craig. Is there an underpants okay. run in Kona? Yeah. We should do it. 
Come on, John, for the team. And if we do it, we'll do it with our socks on. Come on, John. I'm going to agree to that. Now. Come on, get in the spirit of the thing. Need a what we should do... No, we need a sponsor. If we get a sponsor across the ass of our underpants, if somebody sponsors okay, us... Okay, we're doing it. Yeah. What we need to do is we'll have a discussion the week before we go to Kona, the 10 challenges we have to do in Kona. And well, that could be 10 times out to Harvey and back, and I'll accept it. No, <laughs> no, that could be a mix of crazy, a mix of athletic, a mix okay. of everything. We're late for our interview now. So no, we're uh, not, because that's five minutes fast. Okay. 10 challenges for Kona. That'll be next week's discussion, okay? Okay. Yeah, and I want to be doing the Undy Run. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> we need a sponsor, though. If, if we can raise this, for $1,000, would you do it in the G-string? I would. Okay. Can someone who's really rich please pay me? Somebody pays me a thousand bucks, I'll do it in a G strip. God, I hope someone's rich in <laughs> We lost we lost the audio, but a big so you do it. For a thousand bucks. He said he'll do anything for a thousand bucks. <laughs> well, there are limits, but Someone bucks. please pay a thousand bucks. Yeah. Oh, would, be cold. would you do it with a thousand? Yeah, two thousand on me. Two thousand with both them. Oh, I've modelled my undies many a time, mate. There's nothing you for me. You haven't got a hairy ass like me. <laughs> Please pay your thousand bucks. going to have to do the wax, the back sack and crack. Have <laughs> you got the leg line? <laughs> One time at the gym, this guy who must have waxed his legs. Yeah, the hairy ass. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay. Oh, he's good, eh? <laughs> John and I actually had to stop for about seven minutes because we were laughing so much and we were literally both crying, weren't we? It was, it was pretty bad. We, we had to stop. We couldn't contain ourselves for an interview of Gordo, but we managed to do it, didn't we? We did. It yeah. was pretty funny. Back on track. I'm hoping someone comes up for a thousand bucks. Two thousand. Two thousand, that's right, yep. Um, so what is it? Gordo Byrne, endurancecorner.com, coming up right now. Right, let's get into it. Okay, we're very happy to have back on the show this week Gordo Byrne from uh, endurancecorner.com and we're going to talk about some ultra training. So he's direct in from a, from a training camp he's currently running. So uh, welcome back to the show, Gordo. Thanks, guys. What's, what's the camp you're doing at the moment? Uh, it's, uh, it's a Boulder uh, training camp for triathletes. Sort of, we're showing a few people around some of my favorite workouts here in Colorado. Nice. Cool. Very good. Righty-ho. So ultra training. Um, people who listen to the show often hear me talk about having a three-year plan, and we've had a few emails in lately saying how people are sort of sticking to that and finding it really good in terms of getting ready for an Ironman. What are sort of the major considerations when you're, you know, you're looking to train for an ultra marathon? Um, is it pretty similar if you're, if, you're, if you're a newbie or if you've done an Ironman? Can you sort of automatically step up without too many dramas? I think <clears throat> going from Ironman to an ultra marathon, I think, would be uh, relatively uh, straightforward uh, for folks because you're used to running uh, pretty tired or in some cases, I mean, for most people, it's not necessarily a run in an Ironman. It's a lot more like a hike sometimes. Uh, you know, if you think about it physiologically, because people are going actually pretty slow relative to what they might be doing if they were fresher. So I think that's reasonable. I think the the, the big difference uh, between an Ironman and an ultramarathon is just the impact because the swim and the bike are not in you know you don't have that pounding that your knees take and what i found with my uh, ultra running is that after somewhere around seven or eight hours of running uh 
your leg muscles can kind of uh, get wiped out, and then your knees will start grinding. You get a lot of inflammation, uh, so you're coping with different things. Whereas in an Ironman, you're more coping with fatigue rather than coping with the fact that everything is really aching and really inflamed uh, from that much running. Uh, but I think up to, say, 50 miles, it would be relatively straightforward for a uh, Ironman athlete to sort of train up for it. Once you go beyond 50 miles, you're starting to look at 100-mile races. Then you're really getting into the realm of somebody that needs to be a high-mileage uh, marathoner or have a body that's able to tolerate uh, relatively high mileage or be a really experienced, uh, you know, backpacker hike uh, or hiker, somebody that's used to doing, you know, multi days out there all day, uh, day after day camping type trips or mountaineering. There's, there's lots of information out there about marathon training. You know, when it comes to ultra training, does it differ a lot to marathon training? And if we're perhaps looking more at, yeah. um, say, the, a shorter ultra, like you said, maybe a 50 miler as opposed to, say, a 100 miler. Well, yeah, I think it, I think it would change. I mean, you know, if you look at if you look at the marathon stats and you look at marathon results, uh, it's only a very small minority of people that are actually running uh, or running fast in that sense. Most people, the event is well beyond their capacity to race yep. in, in in that sense. So, in other words, the event itself is beyond that person's endurance envelope, and so I think. What you need to do if you're looking for an ultra uh, and training for an ultra, looking at that, is have an honest evaluation, uh, sit down with yourself uh, and talk about, look, is it, it, you know, how fast am I going to be going? Am I going to be able to handle uh, actually running this? And if you're not, then your training is going to change quite a bit because if you're planning, if you know it's going to be a mix of run-walk, then you really need to be incorporating hiking uh, with your running training. Uh, to train the body just to be able to go out uh, for an event that's going to be that long because a four-hour marathoner is probably going to be out there, could be out there for nine hours if they're doing, uh, you know, a 50. Uh, and that's something you need to prepare for. Uh, and you're going to prepare for that probably a lot with a lot more hiking than you would with, say, running if you were getting ready for a marathon. Just in regards to, we're going to ask a few training questions in a second, but you've done a few ultras. What's the appeal of an ultra? You know, why would I want to do an ultra? Uh, probably because it's hard. Uh, really? I mean, that's the main thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's a, there's an element uh, with there's a there's in in all. I mean, in triathlon, in in all. Uh, hi there, I'm on the phone. I'll just <laughs> um, the in all ultra uh, events. There's an element, whether it's Ironman or even running marathons or something, there's an element of I'm doing this because other people can't do it. Yep. And I think that's a big driver for why people might want to do an ultra. It's certainly a big driver why somebody might want to run 100 miles because yep. that's, that, that's pretty brutal. Uh, you, you're going to be coping with a lot of pain uh, when you do that. So I think, there's, I, I think that's a big part of it. It's just wanting to do something unique, uh, maybe a little crazy, something extreme, something where your ability to get through it is not guaranteed. Yep. I think that that's kind of neat. I, I think when you enter a race and you know, you, you know, I might not be able to do this. I think that's a bigger thing for people that enter Ironman. And then when you, if you get through it, if you get it done, there's this feeling, wow, you know, I, I went further than I thought I could. Great. If, um, if we've got listeners out there, you know, who've done an Ironman and, um, 
how long do they need to usually give themselves to build up for an ultra if it's again if it's more like a, a 50 miler as opposed to a 100 miler well i think a uh, 50 miler I, I think once you get to the point where you can comfortably roll a 50 mile uh running week uh you know for a series of weeks and not be breaking down and being being able to run uh 50 miles in a week week after week uh i i think you'd be able to get through a 50 without uh without you know much in terms of risk yeah. uh i think you know if you're if you're a 20 mile a week runner well really it's going to be the question is more well how long is it going to take you to prepare your body to build up to the point where you can handle 50 miles. Now, for a lot of triathletes, what that'll mean is that they would have to dial down their bike and their swimming so much to create the space for the running, it might not necessarily do a whole lot for their triathlon uh, performance uh, because they'd have to leave so much for, for the sports. But that said, if you live in a, you know, in a climate where it's absolutely miserable for cycling, uh, for a few months of the year, you might consider, uh, yeah, you know, bringing up that run frequency, run a lot more often, see where you can safely get your mileage to, uh, and then, and, and, you know, deal with it that way. And that's a lot of the reason why people like doing marathons. They might want to do a, a, you know, an early spring marathon or a late winter marathon because they think it, it might help their triathlon running. Generally what I advise people there, and it'd be a similar kind of thing. I mean, you're going to be a lot better almost training as if you were getting ready for an ultra marathon but then just run a half marathon because one of the things with these really long running events is that they can take quite a bit of time to recover from mm. and you you can lose a fair amount of fitness in the recovery so i think it would kind of be a, a special event for somebody so if somebody's looking at you know they, they want to take maybe a a year off uh doing ironman races because they don't want to be doing a huge amount of bike volume then yeah, you know, choosing a choosing an ultra marathon might make sense. Um, and when it when it comes down to the actual training, you know, you, obviously people are going to be out there anywhere between you know six to nine hours um, ballpark. And then the question people often ask is, how long should their long run be? Um, what, what's your typical response to that? Well, I think your long run should. It's it, okay. There's a couple different things you want to create, uh, and and this applies actually to triathlon too. I think the core long run, uh, pretty much for all distances, you're going to want to be building that up so you can do a quality long run for about two hours. And that would be the same thing for uh, somebody that was maybe training for a 50 because there's certain things that you can train with a high quality two hour run, which you are unable to train for a three or a four hour run. But that said, you got to look at the athlete and you need to look at what that athlete's likely to be doing in that ultra marathon. If, if we're looking at somebody that's going to be doing 10 to 11 minute miles, well, in reality, you're probably better off sending that person out for a five-hour hike uh, in the mountains with a backpack on, uh, building up you know, just that sort of all-day endurance on the legs than you would by going out and staggering around a four-hour run, which means you're not going to be able to train for another four or five days. So I think in terms of the longest session, what I tended to do for myself when I was training for Ultraman, which is a, you know, a double marathon at the end of a three-day uh, triathlon, uh, what I tended to do was I would do multiple long runs in the week. Uh, so I would, you know, I'd run long three times in a week. And then another thing I would do is I would put long runs on back-to-back -back days and or a moderate or a 90-minute run in the evening and then another 90-minute run in the morning and sort of build it up that way. 
so I would I would approach it that way, get myself to the point where I can get my race duration into a week and roll that for a few weeks. And then what I would do is I would do training camps uh, where I would try and do that mileage in five days with maybe a lighter day in the middle. Ultimately, getting myself to the point where I could do that mileage maybe within 48 hours uh, and, and break it up. Uh, and then ultimately, you're going to turn up at the race. You're going to try and do it in one go. But it's, it's really similar to sort of any approach when you're building your endurance. Try and do your event spread out maybe over even two weeks at first, and then you're going to slowly bring it closer and bring it together until you ultimately get to the point where you can do it spread out across, say, two days or between a Friday night and a Sunday lunchtime. So you're basically saying double long run days are good, running twice in a day good, but you just got to take a little bit of time to build it up? I think it's important to remember that if you get injured, there's not a, a I mean, if, if you get hurt, you lose all the benefit of your mileage. So, you know, you, you give yourself shin splints or piriformis or your ITB goes, I mean, the, all this running you're doing is going to be completely wasted when you put yourself into rehab for a month. So it needs to be gradual and you need to take the little things. The more you're running, when you're starting to get to your biomechanical limits, you need to take the little things very seriously and not let them become big things because, you know, plantar fasciitis probably starts with, you know, tight calves. So you need to be doing what we call sort of like prehabilitation. So you got to be doing your calf extensions to make sure that your calves are strong. You need to take care of your equipment, your shoes. Uh, you need to be using proactive icing when little things start to come so they don't turn into big things. As you ramp up the mileage, and you're ramping up that load on your body, you also need to be taking these other things up, which you can neglect. If you're only running 15 or 20 miles a week, uh, you know, it's, that's very different than sort of these guys that are like going out and trying to run 60 or 70 miles a week. Well, in regards to other training that you should do, you know, weight training and maybe running off the bike, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I personally, if I was going to go back and do, uh, uh, I'm coaching a guy for Angelis Crest. Uh, it's a hundred miler. It's got a lot of hills in it. So I personally, and, and one of the changes we made for his program is really bringing in year-round strength training uh, because I think that's one of the things that falls apart uh, is that leg strength, the legs just get fatigued. Uh, the downhills uh, beat the athlete up, and then as a result, they've got all that inflammation going. The, the knee joint is grinding. So I think the stronger your legs are, the better you're gonna you're gonna go. Uh, so use a lot of hills. Use traditional uh, strength training, uh, lunges, leg extensions. Uh, do some balance work, but you get a lot of balance work if you're doing trail runs, particularly on rocky trails, uneven footing, things like that. Mm. Um, I am a big believer in cycling for uh, ultra training, but it needs to be somebody that enjoys the riding uh, as well, and it needs to be somebody that has time for the riding. So I don't replace running with riding. I think running, you're, you're, as a runner, your core program needs to be running. So uh, you know, I, you know, swimming's not going to make you a better marathoner. It's not the case. But if you have extra time and you're training for a competitive event that is going to be you know, four hours plus, the safest place to train 
that the, some of those metabolic functions, your digestion and all that stuff that you're going to need is on the bike because you can do a tremendous amount of bike volume without getting beat up, whereas your run volume is, is ultimately going to be limited by your personal biomechanics. Mm-hmm. So with um, a lot of the races, you know, especially in New Zealand and a lot of the Euro races and I imagine a lot of the US races, they're often um, involve fairly big hill climbs um, and running over yeah. mountains and then down the other side. You mentioned there a little bit of weight training to perhaps help um, get people ready for those downhills. Is there any other things people can do to, you know, help prepare them for that that quad breaking work that if they have to do like a ten fifteen k downhill? Yeah, run ten to fifteen k downhills. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it sounds it sounds simple, but if you running downhill and running downhill fast oh. is a skill that's acquired. You have to learn it. And you need to train it. And if you, and if you don't train it, you're not going to have it. But I would say you don't learn it by starting to bomb the hills. First, you need to you need to build the tolerance for the downhill. So just go down smooth, and just try and you know light feet, quick cadence. Try and just make sure you're not breaking as you're going downhill. And then as you progress, as your fitness will enable you, then you can start picking up the pace. And ultimately, if you look at the best downhill runners, I mean, you know, they're awesome. You know, yeah, I mean, you know, like Klaus, you know, Klaus, uh, my training buddy, Klaus Bjornling. Yep. I mean, he we used to do runs up here in Colorado, and the guy would be running, you know, easy, nice and smooth, 320 per K pace, just rolling down the hills. It's not beating him up. He's just going with the gravity, and that's what you can have. So these these really hilly races, they're not they're not one on the uphills. I mean, it's it's one on the speed and your ability to go downhill fast. When you look at the ultra guys, that's what they have. And another thing with that is know your course. If you can get out on the course and you can train those downhills, similar to descending on the bike, you will go faster as you get to you know as you know the course. So if you can train on it, uh, I think that's a great way. I also think uh, just one more thing. You know, just uh, and specific to Christchurch. You know, I always felt that spending a winter running in the Port Hills, which was your summer, my winter, um, was really helpful to me because it built those things, that agility. You also get some pace work without high heart rate. And so you're going at a fast speed, but you're not putting yourself under a lot of cardiac stress, which is a nice thing. And I use that technique here at altitude with the downhills. I can pick up the pace, but I don't necessarily have to be generating a high heart rate. And that's something you can bring into uh, your triathlon training as well is you can get fast running without high stress, and that's how you use moderate downhills. You don't; it doesn't need to be anything that's really steep. Well, with, with the borderline, like I did a, um, an off-road race about three months ago, and, and I was like third up the hill and got Kane going down the hill. And where's the borderline of the risk of, for speed? You know, because you, the guys you overtook me were just to me was really risky, and a few of them actually hurt their ankles. Yeah, when you're racing. I suppose it depends on how competitive you want to be, but how do you assess yeah, you know, that? Well, you know, people crash in the Tour de France too. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, down to, it's down to your tolerance for risk. You know, going downhill fast is, you know, risky. Uh, <laughs> you know, I could just see you bombing down the hill. Uh, I, I could totally see that. Smashing everybody up on the, uh, on the uphill and then just blasting the thing going down. I'd say my, my advice for people is really... It's about staying smooth. When you're losing that smoothness on the downhill, there's going to be a lot of 
breaking forces. There'll be a lot of damage going through the body. So I would say certainly in training, just train, just only go to the speed where you can maintain that smoothness and that relaxation. Once you're starting to really lumber and and it's starting to get really jolty, I think you need to back off. So you said that, um, yeah, and I think a lot of people would be aware of this. It does take um, can take quite a bit longer to recover from from an ultra, as opposed to say an Ironman. Are, are there any other sort of consideration, major considerations people need to think about when they're when they're considering doing an ultra? Maybe if they're if they're bigger guys, are they going to struggle a bit more? Obviously, getting themselves around a tough course. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think you will you will struggle a, a little bit if you're a larger guy. But that said, some of the best ultra runners I've ever known are big, strong men with really thick legs, like guys that grew up skiing moguls. Yep. Uh, and and so it's a it's a different style of running. And because of the downhill component in so many courses, it's not like running a fast marathon. I mean, those hilly courses require tremendous leg strength. And it's not fast running. So I think, uh, you know, a larger athlete can be very competitive if they have good skills. So all because you're a bigger guy, if you enjoy doing trail running and enjoy doing the training, I think it, it, it's, uh, it, can, be very good, it can be a very good thing uh, for you. I think also one of the nice things about ultra training is that people are comfortable about going slow because it's going to be a slow race. And I think many uh, triathletes with their running – they're always have a tendency to try and be always pushing that pace in training and they never really do a nice block where they're going to build that low to moderate intensity and so preparing for an ultra can do that for somebody because they're going to go longer and that's going to force them to slow down and that can make them more efficient so when they come back to their triathlon training they'll come back with a deeper base and they might be able to get more out of it. There's obviously a high risk of, or not high risk, but you obviously damage your body pretty hard when you're running 100 miles. Is the difference in recovery from an Ironman a lot different, or are there things we need to do different when we're going to do a long run like that? I think it. I think it depends on. Again, it depends on the athlete. You know, size of the athlete, mileage that the athlete has. If you look at your average yearly mileage and compare that to what your race is going to be, yep. you know, if you if you're somebody if you're somebody that's consistently running. You know, 40 miles a week. Uh, I think you know, an, an Ironman is going to beat you up a lot less than somebody that's running 20 miles a week. So it's the same thing with an ultra. It's it's how extreme that race duration is relative to your chronic training load. That's going to go a long way to telling you what what you're going to be looking at uh, for recovery. Same deal with athlete size. I think that's a big impact. Smaller female athletes are going to bounce back way quicker than uh, larger. Uh, male athletes, I think that's an important consideration. And pace, pace has a big influence. You, you know, you can. It's a lot more if you get the fitness to really blast a marathon in an Ironman, and and you're putting up one of the fastest running splits in the entire race. That is a lot more draining than slogging through at a pace which is considerably slower than what you would normally tolerate. And so the recovery will be uh, be different. Yep. Uh, so so it really depends on the on the situation. If it's a fifty, I think actually a fifty would fall in somewhere between say a half Ironman and an Ironman in terms of its uh, impact. Uh, but a hundred is a very extreme event, and and you should allow a long time to prepare for a hundred as well as expect some recovery. So I'd say for an Ironman athlete that wants to go out and do a hundred mile running race, you should be allowing a whole year to get ready. 
Uh, it's not the kind of thing you're going to ramp up for in a couple months. I, I because it's, oh, sorry, I remember Gordo telling me that you make sure you put Vaseline between your ass cheeks because yeah, it was important, wasn't it? Uh, chaf- chafing can be extreme. Uh, you, you do you do need uh, need a little bit of lubrication there sometimes. I was a bit of a bigger guy back then too. You know, that's a, that's it. Kind of depends. Friction. You really learn about friction when you're running long. It, it cannot be your friend sometimes. Oh, nice. Thankfully, the uh, the underpants run is not too long. No, it should, no, no. It shouldn't have any issues. One other thing, we just we interviewed Bobby McGee last week, and this is uh, just maybe stepping away from ultra running slightly, and we talked about the run-walk protocol. We've had lots of people emailing in this week that have sort of told us about their success stories and how it's worked well. A lot of those athletes have been sort of maybe four hours or slower or, or ballpark four-hour pace. We haven't had a lot. Um, oh, no, we've got a, a guy who did an Ironman UK, and he did 307. Okay. Or, or 317, sorry, maybe. But, but, but you've had a bit of experience doing it and, and running at fast speeds. I mean, is it something you, you, you still do um, with your, say, your, your half Ironman racing and an Ironman racing? And yeah. how, how do you sort of structure it in terms of, your, your you know, do you do nine minutes on, one minute off, or how do you work it? Okay. So, well, it's, it's definitely not just for slow people. And I think a lot of people, well, first off, a lot of people don't understand what the real pace is. They might think they're a fast person, but maybe if you dig a little deeper and look at how fast you're actually running in your race, you might see that you're not delivering relative to your training paces. So if you're not delivering relative to your training paces, well, then you're already going slow relative to yourself. And the technique is a, is a technique that can help you go faster relative to yourself. And I think that's an important thing to remember. So athletes that have been consistently underperforming on the run, you're going to need to try something different to sort of get that performance out. So run-walk is something that can help there. In terms of the type of athlete that it helps, I've run 115. My PB for a half Ironman is 115. I've done it twice. Both times I did run-walk. So I'll tell you how I do it. Uh, typically, if it's a cooler day, Uh, I'm going to be stopping every other aid station to do my walk, and I'm going to walk through the aid station, get my aid, and then I'm going to drink the aid as I exit the aid station, okay? So I'm walking, my heart rate's coming down, my breathing rate's coming down, so I'm not going to be swallowing a lot of air when when I'm doing that. So that's going to be, so say, every other aid station on the way out. I get to the 10K mark, and that's a really important mark when you're doing a half Ironman because from that point onwards, if you're having a good day, it's pretty safe to really throw caution to the wind and just run as hard as you can run, like as fast as you can go for that last 10K. But to prepare myself mentally for that, what I do is I tend to take you know four glasses, deep breath, get myself centered, and that walk break there might be up to 30 seconds long. And then what I do is like, all right, now it's time to sort of get busy. And then I hit it uh, all the way back. Uh, and I treat it like a 10K running race. Now, the interesting thing, and, and everybody's going to start to learn about it because you boys are getting however many downloads a week. But the interesting, thing, <laughs> the interesting thing is most people's slowest 5K in a half Ironman is that third 5K. And if you can get by somebody in that third 5K, they're not coming back on you. They're gone. Because they're, they're going to be having their own issues. They're going to be caught up in their own race. So when I, last time I ran a 115, it was in half fine man. So it took me the first 10K to like reel this guy in. I finally get beside him. I'm at the aid station. I got my plan. I'm like, I'm doing the plan. So I get my drinks. He goes up the road. I'm doing my little power walking thing. 
When I started walking, it took me less than half a K to get back to the running. It took me less than half a K to get back to the guy because I had sort of reset myself, gathered myself. I got right up, got past him. He was gone. He like finished a minute and a half sort of behind me because that's where people are naturally slowing. But I prepared myself to be accelerating at that point. Mm-hmm. Same deal in Ironman, third 10K. You got to pace your day so that you get to that third 10K and you're able to throw down. Uh, the time I was second Ironman New Zealand, those the, the guys that were up the road, some of them were 2K in front of me at the end of the first lap. And I pulled that 2K back in the third 10K because that's where people have their issues and they, you know, they slow down. They might start walking. They get discouraged. Um, and so that would be sort of – that's one way to use it. So every other aid station or every aid station, you're only going to walk the aid station. It's probably only about a 15-second break. Drink as you exit the aid station and then start running again. In Ironman, what some people uh, find is that giving yourself permission to do slightly longer walking breaks as the race progresses can work well because that will enable you to hold your running pace as you go through. And and a final tip would be train the walk. It's, it's a skill. You need to learn how to walk quickly and efficiently with a good cadence. You know, today we did Switzerland Trail at the camp. I put three minutes into the camp in the first 0.8 miles, okay? So, and, and I said, all right, we're going to walk this hill. So we all walked the hill, but I walked that hill three minutes faster than everybody, and it's just walking. Mm-hmm. So walking's a skill too. So you need to train. You need to learn how to do it. You had Bobby on the show that guy can walk like a madman. I mean, he's just been practicing it for so long. I can't even walk with him. I got to break stride. But if you if you if you train it up, you and then you know the nice thing is everybody's worried about losing all this speed. Well, you know I can walk at about a twelve thirty uh, per minute mile pace. I don't know what that is in K pace right now. But you know, for somebody, anybody should be able to train it. We're just walking. I mean, it's it's not it's not like you need a big VO2 to walk at that sort of speed. But you do need to practice it. And so, one way to practice it, and I don't know, if Bobby talked about it, but you can bolt on 10 minutes of walking at the front and the back end of your runs, and then do the run walk in the run, and that'll give you, you know, if it's a longer run, you probably get a half hour of power walking in there, and that'll help you build up the skill. Um, because the transitions can be difficult for people. They can feel a bit clunky when they go from run to walk uh, and back to run. So training that, that transition can be good. Yeah, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, gonna, I'm going to add some more onto this next week as well. Um, mm-hmm. One other thing, though, Gordon, with your, your coaching site, um, endurancecorner.com, a few people ask questions. Um, obviously, it's uh, you know a system where you go in and you put in all your details and it, and it gives you a program. How does it sort of differ from, say, having a personal coach? I mean, how, how much can people access you and your other coaches? Yeah, well, uh, well here, Johnny, what do, you, what do your clients get if they hire you as a personal coach? Pretty much open access, you know, uh, email access when they want, um, generally talk once a week or once a fortnight and a, and a detailed program. Okay, so the, I guess the main difference would be between, uh, say, if somebody was on the site versus if I was doing the one-on-one with them, would be the there's not going to be a weekly phone call with every single client on the site looking backwards a week and forwards a week. So it's going to be more a big picture thing. However, there is open access. So email, athlete forum, talk to me on the telephone. 
that all happens. I mean, all, all the athletes have my cell phone if they need if something comes up. Uh, so the access is there. What I found, and and this is something you must have a lot of coaches that listen uh, to the podcast. If you're spending your time just generating schedules, you're not adding any value. There's no value necessarily in the schedule. There's value in interacting with the athlete and helping the athlete apply that schedule, learning how to train, learning how to race, uh, identifying what's truly limiting that athlete. And so what I've done is I've automated the schedule. So it's a template that I built that I'm looking at. And it really makes my time efficient on the whole schedule thing. Because what I found back you know, a few years ago when I was just generating all these different schedules I didn't have the time to really focus on that athlete interaction, which is where the real value comes from. Mm. So I like to focus on the interaction. The you know the price point twenty five bucks a week is pretty reasonable. I think mm, uh, we offer we offer good value for people that sign up for a year. We even give them a discount off of that. And then the guys that have been with us now for you know an entire season and they're renewing, we give them a, a discount as well uh, because it's a lot easier to retain a client than it is to re-educate somebody that's new and joining um, the system. So I would say the main difference with a, with between, say, the one-on-one coaching would be I'm not looking at every single workout, although in detail. Although what, you know, the nice thing with Training Peaks is you can just set the thing up so that you get an email every time your athlete clicks save. So everybody that's on Training Peaks, I get the automatic email notification for every single workout. So if a question comes up or if it's a key workout, we can like go in and analyze it proactively. That's something I really enjoy. And then our final differentiator is when I was a personal coach, you were only working with me. And you didn't get the benefit of the other athletes I was working with unless I happened to bring them into an email conversation. And you didn't get the benefit of the other coaches. And with the team approach that we're applying and using Alan as the exercise physiologist, as well as Jeff Schilt, who's sort of our medical uh, consultant. And then we got Justin Dare on the team as well, who's an elite triathlete who took himself from 13 hours down to, you know, into the 830s. He brings a lot of real-world experience. We've got a lot of different perspectives that we can bring to a situation. And then we're also using social networking, Twitter, Facebook, as well as our, our, our forum online so that the different athletes can learn from each other because we've got a lot of experienced people as well as interesting folks online. Nice. Very good. So anybody's keen, go to endurancecorner.com. We've also got uh, a uh, just if, Yeah, the, the, we're almost sold out. So if, it, if, if, you get, if you do get to the site and it, and it sort of says there's a wait list, just drop me a line and we can sort of talk about that. I, I, I'm not sure how things are going to roll over and how much, uh, you know, what the renewal rate's going to be. But we're pretty much at full capacity now. We're going to, we're going to cap the team out. Uh, the camps are, and by the way, Johnny, thank you for those referrals. Uh, <laughs> we're, getting, we're getting started. It helped. I mean, we, we've got some good guys on the team because of that, some real interesting guys. Good. Um, so thank you. Now the camps, yeah, thanks for asking. The uh, what we've got coming up is late September, Robbie Ventura, uh, those of you that were in the States uh, might, would have seen him on the Tour de France coverage. Uh, he coached me and helped me with my time trialing and my cycling. We're doing a six-day camp that starts the day after the Interbike, uh, what's it called, trade show yeah, yeah, in yeah, Vegas. Yeah. Yep. We're going to check out the Silverman course. We're going to check out the Ironman St. George course. And then we're going to do some big rides in central Utah. So it's uh, six days of riding spread over a week. It runs uh, Saturday to Friday. 
So you only need to take time off from work. You don't need to take that much time off from your family, which was Robbie's idea. Uh, and uh, it's going to be big. You'll have a choice. You can do like a 100K option each day. Or if you want to go long, we're going to have a longer option. I'm shooting for 1,000K uh, over the six days to get ready for Epic Camp New Zealand. So that's a key part of my preps there. Then we've got uh, the weekend after uh, Silverman. Uh, so that's second weekend in November. We're going to do a Ironman training camp uh, in St. George on the course. Check the course out with uh, athletes. It's going to be a long weekend. Uh, I'm doing that with Coach Kevin Purcell. Yep. You guys have him on the show? Yep, yep, yep. definitely. Legend. So he, he's, he's going to be working with me, uh, and we're going to go down. We'll, we'll do that with some of our team, and it's open to anybody. Both camps are open to anybody. We don't need to be coaching you for you to drop in. Great. Very good. Just one last question. What would you do a full marathon in? What well, would I do a full marathon? Yeah. When, when, no, when, when you were running, say, uh, at your best, um, say, Ironman New Zealand time and you got second, what sort of marathon pace do you think? Fresh marathon. Fresh? I, I, it wasn't, uh, you know, this is, this is something, if you're properly trained and you pace your race properly, uh, you're going to be running pretty close to, you know, your fresh pace. I mean, this whole thing where no, everybody says... No, because no, no, well, no, we had business um, hending on the show a few weeks ago and we asked him, because it's one of the questions we asked the pros, and he came in with 2.12. And it's been a bit of controversy and so I thought I'd chuck it in and see what you think. Uh, if he says he's running 2.12, I'd tell homeboy to get out there and run 2.12. That's what I <laughs> get it out. Yeah, we're, you know, I don't know how big he is, but, you know, we're, uh, I mean, me, you know, one. 163 pounds, uh, I'm not built for marathons. I mean, I'm built for running tired, but I'm not built for marathons. So, you know, I ran 246 in Canada. I was probably on pace for about, uh, if I'd been able to hold and hadn't faded at the end, I was probably on pace for about a 243. Uh, So, you know, maybe fresh, I don't know, 237 when I was in that kind of shape. I mean, at best. I mean, it's, it's a totally different thing, you know, because you train yourself, you're so efficient, you know, that, that lactate threshold is coming up so close to the functional threshold, uh, there's not a lot of room to maneuver. I mean, but, you know, I was, I was never really a fast guy. I mean, Dave Scott might be another example, you know, ran 240 in Hawaii, and I think he said he was like a, a 32 and a half or a 33 minute 10K guy. So, I mean, you, you know, he's, he's getting pretty close to, I, I think, his, his speed. Now, there's other guys, though. You know, you take a guy like Greg Bennett, who's a, you know, sub 30 minute fresh 10K guy. You train him up for a marathon, you know, he's going to go pretty quick. I mean, you know, six feet, 150 pounds or something like that. I mean, he, he could probably rip one. So, but Rasmus, I think he's got a short course background. He's pretty legit for a 10K. Maybe he could go that fast, but 212 is pretty quick. <laughs> so bad. Very good. Well, thank you for your time, Glover. We look forward to uh, hearing more from you on Epic Camp when I uh, hopefully have a few days in, in uh, glory. But I don't know. We'll, we'll wait and see what happens. A few days of glory. Can you tell me which days those are going to be so I can get ready? <laughs> Let's just say there's going to be a bike switch when we come through Christchurch. Oh, that's right. He's got, he's got the TT bike ready. Bike switch? <laughs> I put some I put some little carbon arrow bars on my road bike. I'll be ready for you, big boy. Okay. We'll let you get back to your camp, but thank you very much for your time, Gordo. Thanks, mate. Of Gordo. Always good. Love his work. Some interesting points here on the run walk. I'm going to do a follow-up um, on yeah, the Yeah, we've had a lot of emails week. through, and we've said we'll talk about it this week, but because of the interview, we'll probably wait till next week. We'll probably do a bit of a, bit of a topic on it next week, mm-hmm. eh? Yeah. Yep. And, uh, yeah, for guys who want to get into ultras, there's your, there's your how-to. Would you want to? 
doesn't appeal to me a great deal. A mate of mine in, in America, he's a guy called Tom. He's doing one of the big ones. I can't remember mm. what it is. And like only like I think forty percent of the field actually finish a race, and it's epic training. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and he's hoping to do it in twenty four hours. It's a long time running. Long time running. Run mm. fast, run. Sponsors. Trybuys.com. Trybuys.com. You got, start got, got an email through from them today. They've got some. Uh, they've got some guru bikes on sale there that are just about half price. Oh, really? cheap. So get on there. Trybuys.com. They've got the TB Summer Heat Sale. There you go. The the gurus there. There's one that's like retail four thousand. It's like a TT bike, and it's down to two thousand four hundred. They've got a road one that's about half price as well. So if you're in the market, there you go. Four thousand. The Guru Mega Complete Bike, forty percent off the regular complete price. Complete bike, and you get free shipping on that anywhere in the world. Yeah, that's pretty great. Like my friend Fraser, he lives in uh, Spain, and he's been looking on there to get a bike because it's just like over there, it's so much more expensive. Mm. And you know, with your free shipping, <clears throat> again, it's a no-brainer. Eh? So, if you are thinking about getting a bike, make sure you check out Tribuys first because it's you know they've got some great deals, and you get a really good deal in the shipping. And one thing we have got feedback about is that when it comes to sizing and stuff, they've been really good at being able to communicate mm. and get the bike set up for you. So don't be stressed if you're worried about that because they yeah. really know how to do it right. So email them and uh, just tell them all your, your details of your current bike and they'll sort you out the right size. Remember, anything you buy on trybuys.com, spend over 200 <clears throat> US, get it shipped for free anywhere in the States. If you spend over 500, you get it shipped free anywhere in the world. No brainer. Okay, well, Coffees of Hawaii. So I was on some, my, one of my favorite websites called dig.com, mm. and they had six reasons to drink coffee. And so I, I've, I've got the answers. Okay. And most of them, are, and this is from the New York, the Los Angeles Times, yeah. and their health section. Right. Diabetics. Start 20 studies worldwide show that coffee, both regular and decaf, lowers the risk of type 2 diabetes. Nice. In some studies, by as much as 50%. That's one reason. Heart disease and stroke. Recent studies suggest that frequent coffee consumption does not increase the risk of either condition. Okay, well, cancer. Coffee doesn't really help with cancer, except for liver cancer. Research okay. consistently shows a drop in liver cancer risk with coffee consumption. I left that one to you. Bastard. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Corrosis? Yeah. Corrosis, I think it is. Yeah. Coffee seems to protect the liver against corrosis, especially that caused by alcoholism. It's an issue, Bevan. Nice. Doesn't have. Parkinson's disease helps with that as well. And so I'm not going to go into detail, but it definitely does. I'll put a link to this on the website too, you so you can read further. Athletic performance. It's clear that caffeine... Not caff coffee per se delivers a big boost here. Well, there you go. So that's, that's six reasons why you should buy, go buy Coffees of Hawaii. If you buy coffee, yeah, go to coffeesofhawaii.com, put in the code IMTALK, and you get 20% discount on everything there. <sighs> no brainer. No brainer. No brainer. Okay, and lastly, we have athlinks.com. As we talked before, if you want to participate in our blog, you can either go direct to athlinks.com and you can go to the I Am Talk page and you can uh, comment on the blog. Yep. And Or you can go through imtalk.me and there's a link through the blog there. So great way for you guys to help contribute to the show. Uh, uh, we do appreciate it and uh, can be your moment of glory. Up to 71,000 members. We want more members. We want you guys to sign up and you want you to add I Am Talk as uh, a friend of yours. Nike, oh, oh. Nike are coming back at us. Oh, they are too, the swines. Oh, they've got more friends in front of us. 
Sort it out, boys. Sort it out. One thing is, is that if you're looking at doing a race and you want to see the results from the previous years, go to Athlinks and they've got most races. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're going to do the Boston Marathon, you want to see what's happened over the last 10 years, you can go to Athlinks. Or if you want to compare races, you may want to do New York Marathon or the Boston Marathon, you can go check out what's been happening in those races. And it's all at Athlinks, which is a real great way to do your research for races. Excellent stuff. I did get an email, which I do want to quickly mention, through from Helltel, and he was talking about, you know, if you want to, if you want to make some money for the show. Did you see this one? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. $500 the day with the Iron Talk boys. Yeah, if you want to pay us $500. Yep, and what happens? 5 a.m. in the morning, you get to change nappies with John. You get the wake-up call from Thomas. It's usually about 5.10 at the moment, 5, really? 5.15-ish. Yep, and then you get a two-hour swim session. Yep. 7, you get to do 100K on the bike with John. And then 11, you get to do a body pump class with me. Nice. Nice. 1 p.m., you get an interview on Iron Talk. 3 p.m., coffees of Hawaii break. Yep. 4 p.m., $500 spent on tri-buys. That's, that's additional. That's your own uh, yeah, $500. We'll get you a special deal, though. <laughs> Number 5 p.m., hang out with Porno, create a new jingle. Yeah. 6 p.m., fish and chips at Fistmongers. And lastly... Watch some awesome ITU reruns awesome with John. crap for a short film, sports film. There we go. So beautiful. Um... Anything else? It's going to be a long show. It is going to be a long show, but long shows, they like the long shows. Long shows. You like the long show, don't you? Mm. Yeah. What's it going to be, about 1.15? Anything else I need to mention here? I think I did have a couple of things. No? No. no. Muffins. Muffins. Oh, yeah. So I was... We were, so we basically, John, what have you been up to? What have I been up to? On Sunday, I was, um, it was, our house is reasonably close to the pavement, and you can see our letterbox in the house, and we could yep. see this little thing in the letterbox. I thought, what the hell is that? Went out there, there's some muffins in our letterbox. Nothing attached to them, they're just muffins sitting there. Did you eat That's them? Well, I brought them aside and I was going, should I eat them? Were they marijuana muffins? They weren't. <laughs> uh, so we didn't know what to do. And then I got a text through, the Holy Hammer had given me some muffins. Oh, nice. And apparently they were Andy Potts muffins out of the Triathlete magazine this month and they were quite tasty. And were they good? They were pumpkin. What, what was the flavour? Pumpkin and chocolate Also savoury? Yeah, it was interesting, but they were quite nice. And it worked? It worked. Did you they heat it up a little bit beforehand? No, they were, they were pretty fresh. Oh, we had three muffins, and unfortunately there was not four because you're too far down the pecking order. One for me, one for, <laughs> Bel- one for Belinda, one for Thomas, and if Felicity was eating, she would have got the fourth one. You'd probably be number five. <laughs> it's a love. I thought it was a part of your family. Not quite. I wonder what well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder why Felicity had that mullet sort of going at the back there. No. Oh, good times. Anything else been happening in your life? No. Just a bit of painting around the house, and I'm about to go. Oh, you're painting the house inside, just just rooms. Yeah. Really, you yeah. enjoying it? It's 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 okay. Do you know I'm getting done this week, John? What are you getting or done this week? Three weeks. Roof done. My roof. Oh, yeah. That needs it. <laughs> I got an old villa. My house is an old villa. I love my house, but it's an old villa, and the roof is rusty. It's pretty cruddy, mm, isn't it? Is. And you always drive around the corner, and the first thing you see is my roof, eh? mm. and you think, oh, that roof needs to be done. Yeah. And I've been saving for a few months, and I finally got the cash to do it. And the, yeah. the guys came around yesterday. Getting the roof done. Nice. It kind of breaks your heart because it's got to cost me about six or seven grand. Yeah. And you know, it's a roof. It is, yeah. You know, it's not like you're high fashion or anything. No. Mm. So, anyway. What are you doing this weekend? I'm doing 10K race this weekend. Oh, it's really? going to be ugly. Very ugly indeed. Really? 10K, very hilly, hard race. Governor's Bay to Littleton. Oh, I heard that so was on. got... Um, Said that morning. Yeah, about four four or five climbs in it. And uh, it's going to be ugly. It. Entry's closed. Oh. So that's going to be ugly, but I'm looking forward to it. Okay. I'm looking to have some sore legs next week. Other than that, not much. Bevan, anything exciting happening in your world? No. I went to The Great Gatsby. Oh, yeah. Have you read that book? No. No. It's pretty good. Go enjoy it. Yeah. It's finished the show. It's quite long. Iron Russ. Please pay $1,000. <laughs> 2000 oh, yeah. no. If it's 1000 you're going to do it, but... Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay here we go. Iron Russ. I mean, no. Train hard. Train smart.
Kier car. car. And that thousand dollars goes to me. I'm not paying. <laughs> <laughs>